Good morning, Harvest Church. I promise you it's going to warm up this week. Do you believe me? Or do you believe the weatherman? Do you believe the preacher or the weatherman? There you go. Let's stand up this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to come into your holy presence this day. And we invite your Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our understanding that they might be enlightened to see and our ears be open to hear what you're speaking to your church in this hour. So we purpose to draw near to you and you promised in your word that you would draw near to us. So we're expecting your presence this day. We're expecting your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lift your hands to Him, our King, our Lord, Jesus. <laughs> we honor You this day. We give You all the glory, all the honor, all the praise that You deserve. Our soon coming King, Jesus Christ, Lord of all. The One who redeemed us from the fall. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave. He delivered us from being sin's slave. So rejoice this day and know in your heart He is the truth. He is the life. He is the way. <laughs> we worship You. Our eyes are on You. The One who is and the One who is to come. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God this morning. announcements but because of Christmas and the holidays and the weather were kind of backed up so I got a lot of announcements today so so hang on with me here and and we'll get through this quickly Tuesday night at six o'clock is Patriots United Wednesday night at seven o'clock is our midweek service if you came last week you need to know that when we give weather announcements we have um, a text app that you can sign up for. They've got it here. And when we are going to cancel church or have an announcement like that, we will send you out a message. And so you can put that on your phone. And if you have trouble with that, talk to one of the ushers afterwards and they'll help you with that. We also put it on Facebook. And because it was major, we put it on the radio station. So always pay attention to those. In two weeks from today, on February 4th, is instead of doing donuts, we're going to do soup, uh, soup luncheon after church. We have a sign-up sheet back on the counter in the lobby because we just kind of need to know if, so we know what to, uh, that we have enough. And so we need you to either bring soup or a side dish, preferably dessert, and I like chocolate. <laughs> okay, so please sign up for that so we can kind of plan ahead on that. And that's February 4th, right after the service. On uh, February 24th, Dr. Gant will be here on that morning. He has been a friend and a blessing to this ministry for years, and he will be ministering that morning. On March 22nd and 23rd, we are going to do a couples event, a marriage seminar. We haven't had one for years. And we have a couple from Kearney, Nebraska that's going to come, and they're going to do this. And, and this is one of the things they do. They are teachers, and it's going to be good. That is March 22nd and 23rd. And when we get a little closer to that, we'll have a, uh, get you more information on that. In the back, when you get your flyers, on the back side we have dates. And if you don't have those, you can pick them up. These are the important dates that we have so far. There's going to be more. 
I'm sure, and we'll give you more information as the time gets closer. But take these and you can mark them on your calendar. Also, make sure I'm not forgetting anything. We have your giving receipts available from last year. And after the service, they will have them out front for you. We have an accountant that does this for us. So once in a while, we, they don't have addresses or something like that updated. And so I tried to catch all those, get them to them. We missed a few. But um, if you have a problem or question on, on your receipts, you can talk to me and we can get it taken care of. But they take the information off the in offering envelopes. That's why it's important that you fill that offering envelope out off and if we have a new address market new address if um, we if you know we have your address you don't need to fill out your address every time but you've got to put in the amount and it's got to be legible because I can decipher some of your writing but they probably can't always so we would encourage that one other thing is um, you know, I'm an old coach, and I love foundations and fundamentals. I don't think if you don't have good techniques, you aren't going to play good ball. And so I'm very insistent on, as far as scripturally, we have to have good foundations and fundamentals, or you're not going to grow in the things of God. And as we get a lot of new people in, and even as you've been here for years, I think it's very important to go back to the batting cage every now and then and, and fine-tune your skills. So starting the second half of February, we're going to do a six-week in-home Bible study. And it's going to be very foundational. And we're going to try to hit those. And we will have more information about that in the next few weeks also. So just keep that in mind. Um, if you have your Bibles, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You know this is one of my favorite scriptures concerning finances. And I'm going to read it to you. Beginning in verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully with blessings. So let each one... Give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, while you will be enriched in every every thing for all liberal, liber, liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. If anybody should understand the principles of godly finances, it should be people in the Midwest and Nebraska because so much of it applies to what we see naturally. And when you sow into good soil, it has a potential of producing a bigger harvest than if you sow into poor soil. It will produce spiritually and financially more. So when you sow, some people get in this habit, they just sow emotionally to every cause that comes across the TV station, and they're just throwing your seed randomly. I don't believe in that. I believe in looking for good soil, 
and sowing very consistently and logically into that soil. Because as a farmer, you don't come and just throw out some seed every now and then and expect to produce a harvest. So when we bring in ministries, so next week, Jeff Rogers will be here. He is a missionary to Africa. I mean, they have a tremendous work. We've posted things on the bulletin board, and there's a book in the back if you don't know him. We have sown into his ministry. We sow monthly into his ministry from this church because we believe he is good soil. But he hasn't been here for several years, and so we want to bless him super abundantly next week, and we've talked to you about that. And you understand when we bring somebody like that in, we try to bring in good soil. And good soil is soil that produces something. And he produces a lot. I mean, you'll probably be blown away next week when you hear him. If you sow into poor soil, you're squandering your seed. But thing I want to talk to you about this morning is we're talking about blessing him and sowing financial seed, but I do not want you to overlook that there's more to it than the financial aspect of having him here. When you have an opportunity to be in services with people like Jeff Rogers, there are going to be spiritual impartations. Because he, I mean, he has done this for so long. He has so much wisdom. He has just such a heart for God that there are impartations. Even if he doesn't lay hands on you, there will be impartations because, for one thing, it's going to expand your vision. For another thing, it's going to help you see that we are involved in something bigger than us. And is when you can give and help you are involved in something bigger than yourself. We can't go out and save the world by ourselves. It takes all of us working together. So when you come next week, and I would encourage you, by all means, try not to miss this service. Come with the opportunity that not only you're going to sow, but you're going to receive what you have need of. And, and so I would encourage you in that. Next week also, the children from children's church age will not have children's church, they're going to stay in the service and they will sit with their parents. Just make sure that they pee ahead of time so we don't have a constant in and out because they're not here all the time and it gets contagious. So I would just encourage you that. That's there again, the old teacher. Anyway, so with all of that said, we'll receive this morning's tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, they're in the chair behind you and make sure you fill those envelopes out properly. I want to thank you while they're doing that. Thank you so much for your giving last year, and we pray that you will be blessed. I'm going to have him, when he comes up, he'll speak a blessing over you for that. We appreciate it very much.
Can you even, even fathom what it's going to be like when we're in heaven before the throne of God worshiping the King of Kings? This morning was just a minute taste of what is to come. Even on earth, I mean, our, our worship services are going to become more glorious because as, as uh, Nate was sharing, it, God gave him a word. I'm going to have him get up here in a minute. But two worlds are colliding right now. Amen. Light and darkness. But the light is arising upon the land. Amen. Amen. As Kathy said, I will reiterate the fact that you do need to be here. You know, um, I really believe it's going to be a life-changing experience for your family and for this church for this new year. Last, oh, it's been, I don't know how long, uh, a month or a month and a half, two months ago, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart that we were to raise $20,000 for Him. That's the biggest amount of money that I've ever presented to you as a church body. And um, I want you to know your pastor, if he asks you to give, he steps up to the plate. I don't ever ask you to do something, amen, that I won't do. And so I've been putting away money. The, the, my wife's spirit has come upon me, squirreling away money. And uh, I already have my goal met. And so I tell you what, this, this is... Uh, this service is destined to be. This is very important. So I, I'd ask that you'd be here. And if, if other people aren't here today, remind them. Amen. Nate, come up and share what, what God spoke to your heart. Just read it. Keep it short. Okay. Uh, there was a lot that led up to this, uh, starting back when Pastor was teaching on the wine press on a Wednesday night, I believe, over in the fellowship hall. Uh, that's where this originated from. So it's been a while ago, but then he spoke again to me on the 2nd of this month. And... Uh, <laughs> It was actually interesting because he confirmed it through uh, somebody else uh, that I just randomly looked up who I used to follow and he spoke almost identical what he shared with me including the title I thought it was like kind of freaky if you will but anyway I titled it sowing diamond seeds and uh, I wrote this I I've heard someone talking about diamonds and I heard a word diamond seed. Holy Spirit prompted me to dive into diamonds a little more and I noticed something interesting. Three things are needed to make a diamond. Carbon, which is uh, in simple terms a naturally abundant element that is found in all known forms of life. High heat. Diamonds are only formed in extreme heat ranging from 1,652 
degrees to 2,372 degrees, and extreme pressure. Uh, and I don't need to go into that. Let's just say it's, it's a lot more than an elephant standing on you, so to say. It's really heavy. Um, and then I wrote this. Real diamonds only come to the Earth's surface from volcanic eruptions. God, and that's a real diamond, not an engineered fake diamond. But uh, God can turn any bad situation out for good. Uh, from something so terrible, he can bring diamonds. All right, so that's where uh, that that was what he was having me look into, and then he reminded me about what he showed me about the the different kingdoms colliding. But uh, then wrote this: the closer we get to hearing the trumpet, the greater the pressure is getting turned up. However, something that God showed me was uh, giving me an understanding that heaven and earth are getting closer to coming together in the heavenlies, that's the spiritual kingdom in in between. They're getting smashed between the two, which is causing the kingdom of darkness to be forced into shifting, which it cannot overcome the kingdom of God, so it will attack God's creation. We have God inside of us, though. So as long as we stand, therefore, uh, the darkness will flee from you and I. However, there's great pressure that has been growing, which if you have the spiritual sense of a doorknob, you will see this happening. All it takes is for you to go buy groceries and you'll see it. So with the pressure amping up and the kingdom of darkness amping up against us and the spirit of fire being poured out on us in full strength in these days, I can see that what we are sowing under great pressure is a diamond seed, which is a seed sown under great pressure under fire. Now, for us in this exact time in history, I believe that there can be some, or that there are going to be dark days ahead of us. <laughs> However, God will never give us a spirit of fear. He will always attempt to steer us in the right direction. And in parentheses, I wrote, no fear but to steer. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, Though a thousand fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, none of it will come near us. Agabus in Acts 11, 27 through 29 pr- predicted a f- severe famine. They did not get scared, and Agabus did not tell them what to do. But the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. With everything taking place, I firmly believe that God is giving us an opportunity to sow a diamond seed into a man of God at the end of this month. How do we allow God to take care of us? By doing what he tells us in his word. We sow. Not so we can receive but because we love God, love his body, and trust, as well as rely on his word of promise. Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You sow in tears, you reap in joy. You sow continually weeping, bearing seed for sowing, you will rejoice. I like those odds. Let God your provider, uh, let God be your provider, and trust what He tells us. And I want to add one more thing, real quick. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. Sixty-five percent of our bodies is made of oxygen, and eighteen percent is carbon. There's a bunch of other little things in there, but I don't care about those. Sixty-five percent oxygen. We are made of the breath of God. His Spirit fills us. of us 
is carbon. What we are can be made into a diamond. We're not just sowing money, we're sowing ourselves. And every one of us has that 18% carbon, at least give or take a few, depending on your diet, I suppose. But <laughs> I'm, I'm about 30, I think. Anyway, we all have something to sow. And I wrote this. Fun fact, there is enough carbon in the human body to produce anywhere from 20 to 120 diamonds. So what are you going to sow? We all have something. So. Let's stand up. I, I, I leaned over to the wife and she'd asked me to pray. And well, I, in my exuberance, I forgot. I speak to these diamonds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. This church has always been a giving church. This has always been a giving people. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord God. In your word, it states you give seed to the sower. And, Lord, you've proved, proven that to me. So, Father, even this week, I thank you, Lord God, for miracles. Seed delivered to this people that we can sow into Jeff's ministry. And as we've sown as a church body, we shall reap. And so, Father, I thank You, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for Your goodness and mercy, Your grace, the grace of giving to abound towards Harvest Church in the days ahead. Every week of this year, every month of this year. In Jesus' name, Amen. You're blessed. Amen. How many of you remember, and I already believe I'm just going to hit one item today instead of going to three, so just relax. Okay? But you'll listen attentively, right? There were, a few weeks ago, I said there were some things that we needed to pursue. And you're going to have to help me because I forgot. What's the, the first thing this year you and I need to pursue? What's the second thing? The enemy. What's the third thing? Peace in our relationships. I'm going to give you one more today. As I was reading my devotional, and I tell you this... As far as I'm concerned, Brenda Kuhneman is a very prolific writer as far as devotionals. There's an anointing upon her. And I want to read this to you because this, this inspired me and, and helped me see that we did need to pursue something else. And she quotes Ephesians 4, verse 13, "...till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man." under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And she gives this word of encouragement. Believers who do not tend to grow spiritually are those who, do, who don't acknowledge they need to grow. While no one would ever come out and bluntly say, I have arrived, people often unintentionally overlook their own need for personal growth, and therefore the result is the same. Personal growth starts by first having a teachable spirit. 
then it requires a willingness to acknowledge we can only be trusted with new levels of influence because we humbly recognize the need for constant spiritual development. People who have influence are people who purposely pursue personal growth. Let me say it again. People who have influence are people who purposefully pursue personal growth. They continually make adjustments. God wants you to grow to another level today so that you can be more, the most effective person you can be and touch someone's life in a whole new way. So we have one more per, pursuing thing that we need to do. Amen? We need to pursue personal growth. This is a year that you and I need to grow up. This is the year that you and I need to pour our lives into this book like never before. This is the year you really need to pursue God. Not your own vision, but God's vision for your life and for your family. And this, this isn't really a choice anymore. If you're going to have any influence this year as a Christian, if you're going to touch anyone else's lives with the Gospel, lay hands on the sick and see them recover, be able to sow your finances like never before, then you and I are going to have to grow up. This, is, this book, <laughs> I've told you this story, but it had such a profound effect on me. Many, many years ago, I don't know how many years ago, Pastor Brad and I went and, and flew back east to Bob Lemon's organization. Dr. Gant was there too, I believe. And in that church where we met, there was this book, and it just stuck out to me, and I, I picked it up and read it. And it's entitled, For God's Sake, Grow Up. And I read this, read this book, and his dad was Leonard Ravenhill. Your dad would know him. This book changed my life. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in the back of an, or sitting in uh, an airplane towards the middle, and... Uh, or no, I was sitting way in the back, right by the bathroom. Not a very good place. Well, for me it was, yes. My son said, yes, it was, because I usually have to go to the bathroom a lot. And I was reading this book, and I got to the place in the book where I was reading, and it talked about how important it was to have, to have balance in your life, spiritual balance. And at that very moment, the stewardess came up to me, and she said, Sir... Would you come with me? And I thought, oh my God, what did I do? And she says, you need to come and sit in first class because we need balance in the plane for balance. In other words, there was, must have been too much weight in the back. It wasn't Nate, it was me. And she moved me to first class and she says, what can I do? What would you like to drink? And I said, well, you know, bring me a soda or whatever, and I was treated differently than people that sit back by the bathroom. I was in first class. 
if you want to move to first class spiritually, for God's sake, grow up. Amen? Amen. Now, 2024, we must pursue God, pursue our enemy, pursue peace in our relationships. We're going to have to get along. Listen, you've, some of you have been here a long time. You know I'm a type A personality. You know that I'm the kind I just soon kick a door down than pray for you sometimes. Don't look at me like that. That's just the way I'm wired. I'll be honest with you, my wife and I would not have survived all these years in this community, in this part of Nebraska, if we didn't have that kind of attitude. Because we could have given up many times through the years and quit. But I married a woman that that's not in her vocabulary. Coach. We can't quit. Amen? In this hour, it is vital that the believer pursues spiritual growth. So what's this going to require of you and I? It's going to require the right attitude towards ourselves. It's going to require the right attitude towards change. It's going to require the right attitude towards our God. Three different things. Now, we've touched on change a lot. We've talked about wine the dream I had, remember, I shared with you. That really was a profound two dreams. And it was, you know, I think God, if He gives you a second dream, He's trying to give added emphasis how important the worship. Worship was just outstanding today. Why? We're changing, right? We're all changing. Now, we're going to look at Abraham. Look at Genesis 12. And I'm, I've got three different points, but... We're going to cover one today, and then we'll cover the rest. Because I do not want to rush this because it's so important. So what are we pursuing this year? Tell me, number one, number two, number three, and number four, personal growth. We're going to look at Abraham to be our example because he is the father of all who believe. How many of you believe? Amen. So, Abram's attitude toward himself, we'll use him as our example in all three different categories, was symbolized by something that was very important to him, and that was an altar. And if you read the patriarchs in the Old Testament, any time they, they had something significant happen in their life, they built an altar. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. I kind of wonder whether Lot should have kind of gone with him, but he did. He turned out to be kind of a pain to Abram. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, 
and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built a what? an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him, and he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. You know, I, I was reading this again this week, and in, in verse 4 it says, So Abram departed after God gave him this, this decree and told him how all the families of the earth would be blessed. It says in verse 4, So Abram argued with the Lord and said, I don't want to leave home. What did he do? He departed. No question. He just said, okay. But as you'll find out, as, as Abram was obedient, God would speak to him again. Now that's real important. Abraham, or Abram now, as he was obedient, then God would speak to him and give him further instructions. You want to know why God's not speaking to some of you? Because you've not been obedient in what He's told you to do in the past. It's so important that we're obedient. Amen? Look over at, at uh, chapter 13. Look at verse 1. It says, Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot went with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock. See, if you're obedient, you're going to be rich. God will bless you. See, the, not only applies to, to listening to God and doing what He tells you to do. But if you're struggling financially, have you been obedient in your tithes and your offerings? Oh, I won't go there. Let's move on. It's the truth. Terry Dahlketter always stuck his tie through the door. Abram was very rich in livestock in silver and gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the, what? Altar, which he'd made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Look at verse 18. Jump over there. It says, Then Abram moved his tent, went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Are you getting the picture? The great patriarch Abram, Abraham... He'd never become Abraham if he hadn't been faithful and obedient in what God told him to do. Every decision Abram made in his life was connected to building an altar. The word altar is used 433 times in the Bible. Altars were built for sacrifices, offering incense, which represents the prayers of the saints. Memorials and consecration. The word altar, now listen, this is, this is good. The word altar in the Hebrew literally means slaughter or sacrifice. 
The word altar literally means to slaughter or sacrifice. Today an altar is a place of prayer and consecration. Now listen. Where we slaughter or sacrifice our will over to God. Let that sink in, folks. Today an altar is a place of prayer and consecration where we slaughter or sacrifice our will over to God. For Abraham, the altar was where he dedicated and consecrated his life to God. What is this called in the church? Come down to the altar. Why? Because it's a place of decision. It's a place of consecration. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of seeking Him. The altar was the place where Abram gained revelation of God's character and how He would provide. Let me say that again. The altar was the place where Abram gained revelation of God's character and how He would provide. Look at Genesis 22. I'm almost done, so just relax. If you're visiting today, just relax. I'm not a long-winded preacher, am I? Nate's doing a great job. You just got to remind him, you know, don't get off on rabbit trails. And he did wonderful today. Look at Genesis 22, and for the sake of time, I'd love to read it all, but I won't. This is where Abram was tested by God and asked to do what? Sacrifice his only son Isaac. I just finished a movie it was on, I found, it was entitled Abraham. I'd, I'd encourage you to watch it. It was, it was pretty good. But the thing that, that um, spoke to me, the, the, the gentleman that played Abraham was very stoic. And the whole trip from when he be, God told him what to do, all the way till we got to the place that he was going to sacrifice his son, you could tell he was in inner turmoil. You could tell he was, he was almost like a zombie because he knew what he had to do. He knew God gave him his only son, but now he was asked to sacrifice his only son. And so the whole time he was just... And the poor guy, I thought the movie did a good job because Sarah was a pain in the rump. She doubted. She began, oh, no, we can't. She didn't know what was going to happen. Oh, my gosh, if she'd known what was going to happen. You know, you got to understand Jewish people. But she said, you know, you haven't given me a son. He's going on and on and on. You haven't given given me a son. And then she gave Abram, her maid. And then after that, the son came. Then she had audacity to complain again. Why'd you go into my maid? <laughs> it, was, it was a good movie. I'd encourage you to, to, to listen to it and to watch it. But here we have Abram. In verse 9 it says, And they came to the place of which God had told him. Abram built an, an altar. And there placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 
Now remember what happens at the altar. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. If you'll look, well, let me read on because this is important. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a what? A ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, listen to what Abraham called the name of this place. The Lord will provide, as it is said to, the day, to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The author of this book, he says this. At the altar, the believer met with God. The lack of an altar in the life of a child of God speaks of one who knows little of God's true nature. What do you do at an altar, by the way? What's most, what do you do most of the time? See, when I was, when I was young and I, I knew I was called to go to Bible school, this was even before she entered my life, my, my father had passed away. And it was, I was living at home with my mom, and I'd just gotten filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues. And little did I know, I'd spend all my time kneeling at my bed, praying in tongues. I was praying. See, you pray in tongues, you don't realize you're praying out your future. That's so important. But I made that place my altar. That's what you do is you pray, you consecrate and dedicate your life. He says, the lack of an altar in the life of a child of God speaks of one who knows little of God's true nature. For example, King Saul, who was filled with disobedience, instability and tragedy, was 42 years old, king of Israel, and had a grown son before he ever built his first altar. But for Abraham, the altar was where he laid down his life before the Lord, inquiring of him and requiring God's presence and favor as his most vital necessity. Through a lifetime of building altars and dedicating himself to do the Lord's will, Abraham had come to understand and trust God's character and nature, like Abraham. We begin the process of laying down our lives at the altar as we begin understanding who God is. Revelation produces consecration. So at that time of the altar where he laid Isaac on the altar, what revelation did he have? Jehovah Jireh. The, the Lord is my provider. It happened at an altar. Revelation produces consecration. Revelation also produces obedience. Abraham had learned that the altar, representing submission and self-sacrifice, was put in his life for his good, not for his destruction. Because he trusted and was intimately acquainted with God, Abraham was not afraid to obey him, even when God proved and tested his servant by commanding him to place his only son Isaac, whom he loved, on the altar and slay him. His instant, now listen, his instant unquestioning obedience to God's command exposed Abraham's attitude toward himself. That's what we started with today. Your attitude towards who? Yourself. 
Abraham embraced the altar. God was Lord and Master. Abraham was his humble, obedient servant. If his all-wise and trustworthy master asked him to sacrifice the son who meant more to him than life itself, Abraham would not hold back Isaac or begrudge giving him to God. If his God required such worship, then Abraham would embrace the altar of sacrifice and offer that worship even through tears. How precious, how sobering to realize that although God did not require Abraham to give his only son, the time came when God himself gave his. Look at Romans chapter 12. Last scripture, Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Paul spent 11 chapters before chapter 12 talking about the mercies of God before exhorting believers to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Only as you and I discover God's goodness and mercy are His true character do we long to be like Him. Only then we will die to self in order to be like God. Let me say that again. Paul spent all 11 chapters to address the mercies of God before exhorting believers to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Only as you and I discover God's goodness and mercy. And where do you discover God's good and mercy? What do, what do we learn today? At the altar. At the place of consecration and submission. Do we long to be like Him? Only then we will die to self in order to be like God. Let's stand our feet this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something. This is a new year. Did this register with you today? Pursuing spiritual growth begins with how we perceive ourselves, how we look to our own lives. So today, we need to come down to the altar. And some churches make this every week. Come down to the altar and confess your sins. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to come to the altar today. And we can't all fit there. Watch my water. You're going to... Oh, good boy. You might not be able to, you might have to line the wall, but I want you to come down to the altar today. And I want you to realize that you need to lay what on the altar, you need to lay self. I need to lay self. 
It's not about you in these last days. It's not about me. It's about Him. Is He Lord of your life? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I ask of you? God loves you. He loves us. This church has a destiny. Those whom God calls, He equips. So He's equipped us for every good work that's up ahead. I'd ask you to come down, then we're going to pray. Hand me my water, would you please? Thank you. Listen, we all know areas in our lives that we've been disobedient. Amen? We all know areas in our lives that we have not laid self on the altar. We've not submitted to Him. This applies to all of us. Father, speak by Your Spirit to every individual in this room today. Reveal to us the areas in our life that we've not submitted wholly to You. Forgive us, Father, for not renewing our minds to Your Word in this hour. Forgive us, Lord, for not being obedient to share the Gospel with a neighbor, with a friend, a co-worker. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we've been in public and we've seen someone that's sick and not gone to them to pray for them. Forgive us, Father, when we've not sowed the seeds that You've called us to sow. Forgive us, Father, for our carnality, for being ruled by our flesh instead of by the Spirit of God and the fruits of the Spirit. Forgive us, Father, that we've held unforgiveness towards someone. We've not forgiven them. We've not, Lord God, released them. Forgive us, Father, for not desiring to come to another level spiritually in our lives. Now, Your Word states, if we confess our sins, You're faithful and You're just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to me, Harvest Church. You and you alone know in your heart what you need to do. Because it's been... A persistent thing. You've known the Spirit of God has dealt with you. Dealt with me. Areas that we need to change. Holy Spirit, open our spiritual eyes and our ears to see and to hear what you're Speaking to the church.
you deal between you and God this morning. It's between you and God. Nobody else has to know. It's between you and God. Now, I believe I've given you enough time to make those corrections. You're at the altar this morning. At the altar, there's revelation. At the altar, there's obedience. There's submission. There's consecration. So consecrate your lives for this new year. To serve your King. Flow in your gifts. And advance the kingdom of God. Say this with me together. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In my life. In Jesus name. Not my will. But your will. I'm at the altar. I'm submitted. To you. My ears are opened. To receive direction from you, Holy Spirit. I will be obedient in 2024. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great way to start the year. Amen. God bless you. Some of, you might have to help some of us up. <laughs> I know what it's like, Beth. I'm the same way. I believe God has spoken to you today. I believe God has spoken to us corporately this morning. Go out and be the church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sign up for soup. Get your receipts, your giving receipts. God bless you. Thank you, everybody. The great light dawn.